the political part of the left wing will usually rip itself apart. The political part of the right wing can always coalesce around one particular idea. That idea, I want to keep more of my money. That's a potent thing. The political part of the left wing, we want equality. We want people to have enough money to live. Do we? Some of us do. How do we get there? See how difficult this is to coalesce around one particular idea. And as we're seeing at the moment, the political part of the, in inverted commas, UK left is tearing itself apart again. The Labour Party is tearing itself apart. The left, in inverted commas, are tearing themselves apart too. And you know what? Even in the 1970s, when people were more politically engaged, when you had programmes, not just half an hour of panorama, you, you know, we talk about reality TV. Not just that, when you had actual serious programmes that led to change, like World in Action. When you actually had politicians at a peak viewing time being interviewed or on talk shows, when you had connection to the political points through your work. And how would you do that? Through trade unions. You know, throughout the 70s, or depending on where you sit here, the trade unions were making real gains for their members or had too much power. Let's just look at Heath in 1970. Too much power. Workers went on strike. It led to a three-day week. Too much power. Heath went to the nation early under a banner, Who Governs Britain? Britain soon told him, not really you, mate, but not really the Labour Party either. However, when Wilson came in, he gave those power workers what they wanted to stop the strike. He gave them the pay deal they wanted, which caused the right wing to fulminate and worry and prepare some kind of coup, it is thought. And it was a febrile air, uh, time of being able to make changes either by taking change through revolutionary groups or making change through your shop steward movement and then up to the top. Because one of the most powerful men, of course, in Britain, certainly in the late, in the late 70s, was Jack Jones, Transport and General Workers Union leader, who are now Unite, of course. And he was one of the ones who was sitting around the table and agreed with the social compact or the social contract, it's often called. Either of those will do, where workers' wages were pegged to a certain percentage, around the four, five, six percent. And when things were bad, when, when, they had to, when we had to go to the IMF or Healy, Dennis Healy, the Chancellor, had to go to the IMF to say, could we have some money? And they wanted a large cut in public spending in return for that money. The social 
contract stayed and wages were suppressed. But when things got better in 76 and we'd paid the money back early on, 76, 77, moving into 78 and Jack Jones had gone. When Healy was asked, could we have a little bit of a loosening of that contract now? He said, no. In fact, you can have 5%. And what happened? The contract didn't hold. Large wage um, claims were made and in one situation paid, which then caused a domino effect, which led to the winter of discontent. And people can argue that. Of course they can. And I'll argue with you all night because I love that period of history for trade union politics and for politics in general. And that's why it was so interesting to see this play for today, which came out in 1974, but it was called, it's called Leeds United, written by Colin Welland, very political um, director, actor, writer, not just famous for shouting the British are coming at the Academy Awards, which wasn't, wasn't really correct. He was a politically charged performer. And he wrote this play, Leeds United, which um, was around, was about a, a strike, an unofficial strike in 1970 over unequal pay between men and women in the clothing factories of Leeds. The background is that the, um, the union had made a pay agreement with what, are called, with what they were called, were called then the masters, the bosses, the alliance of clothing bosses in that area, and they had not agreed that women's and men's pay should be the same. And this excellent play, which was rejected by ITV because it was thought to be too expensive, large cast, huge cast, and a huge cast of extras too, because you've got lots of people marching. But it was also thought that it was rejected because advertisers might think it was too political. And it is. But the BBC bought it. And it came out in 74. And it's a wonderful piece of work. It's black and white. And it has women at its core. There are really strong women's parts here. Politi politically motivated women who become politically motivated. Lynn Perry, who you'll see, who you'll have seen on Coronation Street and think that's all she done. No, she did a lot more work than that, actually, and better work than that. In fact, her work early on in Coronation Street was similar. A bolshy, loud-mouthed, very strong, intelligent woman here who becomes politicised because it's necessary to do so. The shop steward at her factory, Harry Gridley, communist Harry Gridley, there's a lot of that, oh, he's just a communist, calls a meeting and says, you know, the union rejected my claim at the conference I put a claim, I put a, I put a motion together, which I was very proud to do for all of you at this factory to say that the pay award should be equal for men and women. That was rejected and that's not acceptable. And he stirs them up and they want to be stirred up and he stirs them up to do something which he then can't control because they leave that factory and there is a wonderful, wonderful um, 
quite long scene outside where they are marching and they go from factory to factory. They storm one of the factories and the boss runs out and says, what, what's going on here? I, I demand to see your shop steward. But even then, even with the unofficial strike, the person doing the talking is a man. But they manage to see the shop stewards there or they want to see the shop stewards there and the boss is saying, you can meet them in five minutes, let's go and see. But then he is kissed on the cheek by one of his female workers, because these are all women workers, and some men too, but mainly women workers, who says, you don't need to see the shop stewards, we see what you're doing. We're with them, and they march. Then they go to another factory, who says, we've got these people coming out, and they march. And there are thousands and thousands marching through Leeds, going from factory to factory, causing absolute mayhem, strong, solid. There is strength in a union, but unofficial. And this is where we get to the basis of trade unionism and whether it's for the members or whether it's not. Because when I spoke about the 1970s and the late 1970s, there was a very strong and very politically motivated and younger shop steward movement who would then stir up dissent and say, we want to pay claim for this much. And that shop steward movement was disconnected from the unions themselves. So Jack Jones had some gravitas. He could say, this is what it is, and people would listen to him. But increasingly, that was becoming less likely. So that the people at the top who are talking to government can't actually control their members. And that's what happens here. Because it's an unofficial strike, so you have the official union saying, you all need to go back to work and we'll have a talk about it. That's rejected. And there is a, an unofficial strike committee, a negotiation committee created. And these are mainly women members who are striking. And that committee is just men. And one of those men, Fred Packer, sees his chance and seizes his chance to be the main person to talk about this. And they, they, they meet the trade union in a hall. They say there were 20,000 there. It's a packed meeting and the union are told where to go. You're not connected to us. You're just doing work and business and deals with management. We want, a, we want a, what, they, what they were um, striking for was a shilling an hour. They wanted parity with male workers. They're saying, you get us a shilling an hour, then we'll be talking about this. And all, what, and all the, um, the unions concerned, it's a very, very uncomfortable scene, is just get back to work. And their shop steward, Harry Gridley, who was the one who stirred them up in the first place, now speaking for the union. Because when you're a shop steward, you've got to play both sides. And it's not easy, as I know myself. So, there are there speakers constantly from the floor, emotive speakers. Lynn Perry's character, Molly, speaks as well. And these are politicised people who are absolutely together. For the moment. But what happens with a strike... Here, and we perhaps saw this as well with the Grumwick dispute, 
Well, if you choose a union who's not really supporting you after a certain time, their role is to get a deal. They're told under no uncertain terms that we want a shilling an hour. The management, the alliance is very worried, but won't, uh, cannot be shown to be renegotiating a deal. And then does say there's some room for negotiation, but doesn't go as far as a shilling. They are willing to negotiate. And that is when the trade unions say, well, you know, we need to negotiate with them. And they start to weaken the workers. We hear views of, well, this company's gone back and they've gone back. And things where there were flying pickets before, going up to Cumbria to spread the word, where there were scabs coming through the door, where the women, there's a wonderful scene where the women have their, their work scissors and they are um, not attacking the scabs, but certainly they have those scissors near, near the scab workers. But what happens is there are news of other, um, of other companies going back things start to get weaker. And Harry Gridley, who has been um, sidelined, suddenly gets a phone call from Fred Packer, who is enjoying his time in the limelight after the meeting at the town hall. He um, is stopped by um, a TV news reporter and asks what he thinks, and he's very much enjoying that. But a divide-and-conquer situation starts. One of the, the companies calls Packer, who then calls Gridley to say they've offered us a deal. And they go and meet them and say, and they offer them um, seven pence an hour rather than five. And Packer says, well, I, I don't really, I, I think we need to talk to the rest of the, the rest of the alliance, don't you? And, he, and the man said, well, we don't just want to do a deal for our company. And Gridley at that point says, we need to start talking. Let's formulate a telegram. And they do. And the Alliance are delighted to receive it. It's, um, it's wonderful to see those uh, Alliance people sat round, you know, sat round drinking and having their cigars around a nice, um, around a nice um, table. And the, 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 the guy who's, who's um, running that is uh, Peter Kellier, Sellier who uh, works so well together, uh, works so well here. Uh, you know, the, um, and after that meeting, they're briefing to the TV uh, people and to the radio. All of the bosses saying, all we want to do is to talk to them. There is possibility of speaking. Meanwhile, the strikers are absolutely disgusted with the, um, with the strike committee. And there's an extraordinary scene where there is... Um, a meeting intercut with as a meeting in a, in a town hall setting by the strike committee and the, for the strikers and another meeting which a larger amount of people in a park are there and Packer is speaking to both of these meetings and on one of the meetings he is saying the town hall one he is saying we need to go back to work and we need to accept this pay and at the other meeting he is saying we won't go back to work. We need to... The duplicity, the duplicity of this is extraordinary and beautifully shown in Colin Wellen's play. And there's also another character here played wonderfully and with real suffering, um, 
played by Elizabeth Spriggs, who was great actor, did so much work. You'll probably know her for, for Charlotte Harvey Moon, uh, but she's done so much more work than that. And she plays Maggie, and she is married to Stan Stennett, who you might know from Crossroads. But here, he plays a really nice take um, on uh, someone who on, on a, uh, someone who sits on the unofficial strike committee. Seems like a very strong man, does lots of speeches, but doesn't speak up when it counts. And after the meeting to, it must be said, a smaller amount of strikers at the town hall, and they say, uh, which was infiltrated by, they think, Harry Gridley and his friends. They say, um, who wants to go to vote to go back to work for this smaller amount of money and more people do it's not unanimous but as they say we go back and at the end molly lynn perry storms up to the front and um also maggie confronts her husband and says why did you not speak up and he says why didn't you and that's the point although he is slapped around the face by molly and rightly so this is the great dilemma. When you have unions, even now, that are configured to look like businesses, when you are selling insurance and other perks for members, when you are not on the ground organising, that's the issue. But it was ever thus. How does an unofficial strike committee talk to an official trade union when you've got the members in the background saying, we don't want this. Who leads it? Where are the levels here? And who talks to management? At no point do the unofficial strike committee or the members talk to management. And it apparently works better in Germany, this. You have, your, you have union reps on... Um, you have union reps on in, in sitting on uh, business meetings and in business. But how do you configure that? Particularly now with a denuded trade union movement, which peaked at 13 million in, in 1979 and now is picking up speed again because people are so concerned for their jobs. But in the 80s, when there was a lack of politicisation of people, Margaret Thatcher saying no such thing as society... And you, know, and, and you need to choose if you want to be in a trade union. We can't have a closed shop anymore. You're just yourself and we will look after you. I'll let you buy into some kind of middle class dream by, by buying your own council house. You don't get paid wages anymore. You get paid into a bank account. So the money just goes out. So you're ours now. You ain't got control over yourself. Don't shout up or we'll stop your money. You can't choose who to pay first. Your mortgage goes out first. You're now with us. You're in the dream, which becomes a nightmare. But it was even that way in the politicised 1970s. This is a fantastic play. And it's the kind of stuff we just don't get anymore. What you rather get is, is things like that, that um, BBC drama with Hugh Laurie at the moment. Let's try and make it look like somebody who's currently in the cabinet and then we'll, we'll we'll talk about the about what it's like in the hallowed halls of power not what it's like for workers you don't get that now this is about how it was for workers and when they went back to work Harry Gridley got money to go he got a nice payoff one of the other workers 
was paid off after 26 years, got £5 to go. And there was some controversy over this because it was ever thus. Trotskyites were looking at the communist characters going, ah, yes, the Morning Star, more of a communist paper at that time, it's thought, weren't very happy. Some license needs to be taken with dramatisation, but this is really important to do, and it's stuff you just don't see now. It's really worth looking out because the struggle never ends. It's a struggle now. Workers will always be struggling with management, whether they smile at you and pat you on the back or whether they're locking you out. Particularly in a situation now where we hear every day 2,000 jobs are going out, 1,000 jobs are going out, we are restructuring out. The struggle never ends. And it's about time we woke up. Five out of five for this. It's so important to see torch writing, really good turn of phrase. Welland knew what he was doing. He was a man who worked, who had worked and who had become more artistically based. But he had worked and he knew those people. The struggle never ends. And this is a good primer as to the problems that we always have. It's good to be prepared because the fight is coming again. Ta-ta.